Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into an automated sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, and social media advice. And it also has strategies and tips from the experts without the fluff. Your host is Caroline Belinska. She's a Shopify education partner with the Shopify approved course, 1000 Sales and Beyond. And she's the founder of JustAskParker.com, the only small marketing task agency for Shopify owners. She has over 15 years experience in marketing, manufacturing, design, and e-commerce. In the podcast, she'll share her knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Caroline Belinska. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a very special guest here today. I'm very excited. We are going to be talking all about how to create a business when it comes to creating businesses that are not about passive income. A lot of people are wanting to start passive income businesses that are hands off, but there's also quite a few of you out there that do like the idea of creating a business that's more hands-on, and this is definitely going to be the episode for you. Now, maybe you're in a situation where you do want to create a passive income business, but you're not getting any sales at the moment and you're getting frustrated then listen on in because I'm sure you're going to learn a lot today as well. Now, before I continue, I want to let you know about the Gorgeous app. It's so easy to use. My team use Gorgeous in our own business, but it's even better for Shopify stores as it has its own features specifically designed to help generate additional e-commerce sales easily. You can also automatically answer questions about your customers' orders, delivery times, and so much more. I'm constantly talking about setting up processes to get tasks done more efficiently and nothing looks after your customers as well as Gorgeous does. You can deliver an outstanding customer experience by setting up automations to get the job done while you sleep and save you from answering the same simple questions and saving your customers the pain of waiting for a reply from you. Before you hire a customer service staff member, You can first set up Gorgeous and use that to help you automate your customer support center and answer the questions either via the chat on your website, your Facebook chat, and even your emails. So no more email inbox. You'll be using Gorgeous to do everything through there. My team do it this way and we absolutely love it. You need to try Gorgeous for yourself to understand exactly how fantastic it is. And as Gorgeous are our sponsors, they are offering you a special promotional trial that you just need to head over to the App Store and type in Gorgeous, G-O-R-G-I-A-S, and install the app. And if you mention the Winning with Shopify podcast, you're going to get your second month absolutely for free when you sign up. So go and try it out. It is absolutely the best app when it comes to customer service. Like I said, we use it in our own business and I highly recommend that you set it up if you want to have a great customer service experience for your customers. So today I have a fantastic guest. I've got Dan on the line. Dan Grief is actually someone that came to me last year with his wife, Basma, actually. The two of them came to me, found me online. I'm sure it was through my podcast, I think and reached out to me and I managed to find some time to have a chat to them at that stage. And then it was lovely that I was doing a live event in London and they were sitting in the front row watching me at my live event. So I got a chance to meet them in person and since then have spoken to them quite a few times, helping them along the way with their business. And it's been a very interesting year for them. 
when they first came to me, they had, and we're going to get more information from Dan, but when they started out, they had just purchased a business that wasn't making any money, but they were very passionate about this idea. And they came to me and they asked me, they're both very, very intelligent people with intellectual backgrounds, but they had never been in e-commerce before. So they came to me and one of the first questions was, are we crazy getting into this? And once they explained their business, I said, this is such a great idea. And I've been along the journey with them, listening to how they've been going, their ups and downs. And I spoke to Dan the other day and they have actually now gotten their business to a minimum of a 6% conversion rate with a 16% conversion rate on average a lot of the time, which is fantastic. And after hearing that from Dan, I said, I've got to get you on my podcast. I want you to share all of your knowledge with everyone because unlike a lot of those dropshipping businesses, this is a lot different. And I think that the passion and the work that's going into this is very easy to be digestible and seen you can see the success that's coming out of it. So I just really love this story and I'd love to introduce you to Dan. And Dan can tell us more about what they're doing. Dan and Basma have not had, as I said, any of their own knowledge in e-commerce themselves. But what I really love is that along the way, without any knowledge of e-commerce, have taken on board things that I've told them and run with it and put them into action. And I see the success that they're getting along the way. And that to me, really blows my mind because I find that a lot of people come to me, ask me for help, get free advice from me, get paid advice from me, but never implement the things that I have taught them or told them to do. But what we are finding is that with Dan and Basma, they are implementing the actual uh, advice that I'm giving and finding that they're getting results. The best part for me, I think that it really helps me see that what I do is successful and I love hearing success stories along the way. So let's hear more from Dan now. He's going to give us so much information. We've had a quick chat before this call and he's going to be covering off a lot of the areas that I know that you want to know about as an e-commerce owner. So Dan, hi, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, it's a bit like being at your own funeral where you get to hear a eulogy of yourself. Uh, I'm a bit embarrassed. You can't see my red face, but I'm a little bit embarrassed. But thank you so much for being so kind. And thank you as well for the support you've certainly given us over the last year. No, it's it's fine. And you know, it's what I love about the two of you is that you're both so passionate about what you're doing. And we're going to get into exactly what that is, because I think that it's a very interesting area. But what I love is that you're both so passionate, but you both come from backgrounds where you have nothing to do with e-commerce or the online space. So Basma is a a doctor, your wife's a doctor. And then tell us a bit about you and what you were doing before and even now that you're still doing on the side of doing this business. Yeah, so um, I've never been somebody who, um, well, firstly has much downtime or sleeps much, but then it's because I generally love what I do. So I've got a few different projects at the moment. So I teach two days a week uh, to a lad with autism. Uh, He can't go to school, so I get paid by the government to go and work with him two days a week. Uh, I also tutor uh, in politics in my spare time for those who are trying to either learn English or want to take a qualification in politics in this country. Apart from that, I also am a sort of politician. I've stood in a few elections now, national and local, three national elections and about the same local. Um, haven't won as yet, but I still campaign in the party and I'm still hoping to get elected one day. And also the job I had before this, so when I left teaching, I was working for a social enterprise and my job was to go into schools 
and to recruit kids, so basically teenagers, to go out to developing world countries and build schools. And I actually went to Kenya and, and helped with community work out there. So I've kind of, I, I really think life is worth living. And if you see an opportunity, go for it. And in a way, that's why we've come to this as well. I love that. And what I love most after meeting the two of you the first time and then meeting you both in person as well, is that you're both very passionate. So let's talk about what you're doing now, because I find this super exciting. When you first came to me, the two of you came to me, you said, are we crazy for getting into this space? But once you explained what you were doing, I was completely blown away. And I think that what you are doing is amazing, both for your own passion, but also for helping other people. So let's talk about what your business is. Let's first start off with the name of it. I love the name of it. Yeah. So we're called Deliciously Guilt-Free. And the whole idea really was that we wanted to change or give people options to change the way they were eating. So we make brownies, cakes, biscuits, so far so good. But the bad bits in that is normally the sugar. And so what we have decided to do is make our cakes and biscuits and brownies uh, less than a gram of sugar each. They also are gluten-free. They're not made with flour. Um, because we want to make them low carb as well. So it's for anyone who wants to have a low carb diet or a keto diet, some people will be aware of that as well, uh, then they can eat these cakes and biscuits without any of the guilt that they might have if they're eating something which is sugary. And what we managed to do was by using natural sweeteners, there's no rubbish, there's no nasty chemicals or anything like that. It's all freshly produced every week. What we managed to do is by mixing the sweeteners in a certain way, we're able to replicate the flavor of sugar without it having all the negative impacts on your health. Okay. And I can vouch for it. When you guys came and met me in London, came to my event, you were nice enough to bring me some of the brownies. You brought me two, I remember orange and the, was it the raspberry, I think. Oh yeah. And there was two different flavors that you brought me. Um, I have to say I nearly polished off all of them on that night. I went out <laughs> after that meeting, I went out with one of my girlfriends in London and she, I was gluten free at the time. And I, I had been for about 15 years due to allergies and my friend is not yep. at all. And we sat there eating them just going, these are the most amazing tasting brownies I've ever tasted. And I really hate that taste of the fake sugars. I'm not good with like diet Cokes and things. Yes. Like, yeah. Most people do. That's what we found as well. And so they, they are mind blowingly delicious. So anyone who's thinking about it, I can tell you the only problem is don't buy too many because you will eat too many all at once because they <laughs> are just amazing. So I can say that. Although you can freeze them. You can freeze them. And then that's a bit harder to chew into a frozen brownie, I suppose. Oh, no, I'm sure I've managed with it. They, they are brilliant. So I really love the taste, but let's talk about why you actually did it. Like what's the background behind it? What made you do it in the first place? Like why low carb, why keto? Because I know my reasons for like why I would need it, but what was the reasons you guys did this? Yeah. So uh, Bessemer, of course, is a doctor and uh, she's also a scientist as well. Um, that's my wife, sorry. And in 2015, she was pregnant. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I got a phone call. I was teaching at a school at the time. And I got a phone call from her and she was in tears. And she said to me, oh my God, I'm, I've got diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Oh, and no. I, I said, sorry, what? You only went in for like a blood sugar test or something. Anyway, she calmed down. She explained to me gestational diabetes, which I didn't know that, what that was. Yes. And gestational diabetes, of course, because she was pregnant, her body was reacting a certain way and she had all the symptoms of diabetes. They say that after pregnancy, it goes away again. But Bessma being a doctor, she knew full well that was a real marker that she could have diabetes in the future and that she could become pre-diabetic. And so I think most people in that situation would probably just follow the doctor's advice and think, I'll take whatever drugs they say. But Bessma decided she really wanted to try her best to try and manage this by diet first. 
And then if it turned out she couldn't, then she would turn to the drug option. But she wanted to make sure she was kind of doing it in the most healthy way for her and the baby. Now, the advice she was getting at the time, we didn't think was that great. And I think in all honesty, if this had been 10 years ago, then this would not have happened. But with the internet the way it is now, with YouTube, we literally were looking up different like speakers and lectures and programs. And then we started reading articles and journals. And I think because this is her area as a doctor, she felt very comfortable to kind of look at the research and the evidence. And that's how we came across low carb. And Sarah Hallberg is a uh, low carb lecturer, well, a doctor in the States. And we watched her video and I just thought, oh my word, I've got a weight problem. I think I'm pre-diabetic. I think I've got this issue as well. It's just that I hadn't thought about it before now. And the more I looked into it for my diet, I realized maybe if I ate a different way, I'd feel healthier. And for me in particular, I've always found I gain weight very easily. If I look at a piece of pizza, I really feel it on my hips. Whereas if I was able in some way to kind of eat more healthily for me, and this is what I found now, I have more energy. I'm somebody who can eat the right foods that, that suit my body and lose weight with less exercise than I used to. So I used to do more exercise and gain weight. Now I do less and I, and I still lose weight because I'm eating the right food. And that's how it all started initially with this idea of a dream. And that then led me to the most weird I suppose to some people but to me it seemed like the natural next step I saved up as much money as I could and I said to Bessemer right there's this amazing conference in California I want to save up our money I want to go I want to learn about this because this is going to change the world for everybody and for health for lots of people so I went to the States and I met Sarah Holberg, who was there and I couldn't believe it. This woman has changed my life. There she's in front of me giving a speech. And I met so many people as a community as well of people at that conference who are just into the same thing. And I thought, I've got to do something. I've got to have a business in this area because I really believe this. And so for me coming to this whole business idea was nothing to do with becoming a millionaire one day. It was nothing to do with becoming a big entrepreneurial success and saying to everyone, I'm an entrepreneur, which I'm on the way to being, hopefully. It was about, can I take this diet that worked for me and share that with everyone else? What I love, anyone who listens to my podcast or my videos or meets me in person, whatever it is, my number one thing that I talk about is understanding your customer. And people ask me which trainings I recommend of my own. My number one training that I recommend is my one about how to work out who your ideal customer is. And when I met the two of you the very first time and you were asking me, are we crazy? <laughs> I straight away loved what you did for that exact reason. Your, your customer, you know exactly who your customer is, but it's very niche, but also very broad at the same time because a lot of people come to me with these great business ideas and then oh, I've spoken about this particular one as a great example. So I've got this particular client that I've worked with and she talks she's got a t-shirt and it's um, my name is and it's like that, oh, yes. that famous yeah. sticker that we have, the red stickers that you wear at a conference and you write your name in that, in that thing. And she's got this t-shirt and it's the design, my name is, and she's written in there with like a marker underpaid. So she's got this whole movement of, oh, I'm underpaid. And when she came to me, she says, I want to run this business. I want to sell this t-shirt because there's a lot of people out there that feel like they're underpaid for their jobs. And her, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders is sort of like her ideal audience. But the problem is, while that's fantastic, I said to her, I love the concept. I believe in what you're doing. However, the people that are underpaid, if you work in Walmart for $2 an hour, you can't afford your t-shirt. You want to wear it, but you can't afford it. So understanding who your customer is, but understanding is there a market there are two very important things that you must understand before you go anywhere. And I tell people, do not 
even start your business until you know this inside out. If you do not know your customer inside out, you're crazy for going into this business. And that's where when the two of you came to me, I loved it because you said to me, hey, these are the types of people, this is what they have. And then I gave you some ideas. For example, the allergy that I've had for the last 15, 20 years yeah. was around SIBO. And that's a like another sort of allergy. And because you've got sort of the some of the products that I can eat, it's niche, but it's also still very broad. And there's a lot of different things you can do in that. So that to me was a like the number one thing that made me think, go for it, do it. Thank you. And that was really inspiring for us because I think it's always important to have people who are ahead of you in this journey that you can then say, well, this sounds good to me, but it's also pretty scary. And do you think this is going to work? And to get your reassurance has really helped us then, um, at a particularly hard time as well. So thank you for that. But what I'd say is I think if you look at, for instance, you know, in the UK right now, we have supermarkets are struggling a little bit, especially the really massive stores. Hotels, I swung to somebody in the hotel industry recently who said that they're having real problems with their kitchen because consumers are changing their habits. And that's what we've noticed. So supermarkets are very much set up to sell to everybody who came through the door. You know, you go and get your washing powder, you go and get your whatever, and you probably choose the best price for the best quality you can get. You go to a hotel, you'd get the bland menu and you're just trying to choose the vegetable lasagna if you're a vegetarian, the steak if you're a meat eater, and that'd be, a, you know, and a few things in between. And what I've realized is the supermarkets aren't working like that because we're becoming more discerning as customers and we want to have things that fit our lifestyle more. And that's where we come in with our business because we're trying to do that. If you go to a hotel now, this hotel owner said, in actual fact, you're probably get people having their food delivered in from a restaurant in town because they can get exactly the food they want. If they're a vegan, then they can go and get their vegan food. If they're doing low carb, they can get their low carb meal. So I think the world is changing and actually there's no better time for e-commerce than right now because we are so connected on the internet. So if I think about 10 years ago, opening this as a business in Cambridge only where I live in the UK, you might get a handful of people who do low carb, although I do suspect that will get much greater over time. But the fact that I can now connect with people online and we can kind of know about each other's lives, we can share stories on Facebook groups, we can actually talk to each other by making videos, etc. I think that's just connected us in a way that we feel like we've got a community now. And I want that movement to grow. And it's in fact, what I find interesting is uh, I talked to somebody in the States the other day. I've never met him in person, but I feel like I know him through Instagram. And we know we share meal ideas with each other. And I think what a world we live in where we can do that now. And I won't just go and buy the sort of processed food or whatever rubbish I can find, which is cheap here. I actually want to go and get something that's right for my body. So consumers are well informed. They know what they're doing. And the other thing I'd say is as well, you have got so many resources now that you just did not have in the past. Mm. So if you think you don't know something, and we didn't know a lot, go online. You learn it very quickly. Everything's on Google, YouTube. And if it's not, and if it's a bit more complex than that, there are people like you, Caroline, that you can find, you can reach out to, you can ask questions. The only thing stopping most of us is insecurity. But if you can get over that, then you can learn. And if you say to somebody, I don't know about this. I'm actually a very accomplished person in some parts of my life. This part of my life, I've got no idea. So SEO, I don't know what I'm doing. But I come to you and I say, excuse me, do you think you give me some advice on this? Because it could be better. Mm. And, you, and you have. And that's made a difference to me. So, you know, reach out, get over your insecurity and you will learn and you will grow. No, it's so true. And I think that, yeah, that's definitely the things that I've come to love and really why I keep on talking to you guys and helping you guys out along the way because I just love that you're actually taking action because a lot of people come to me and they get this advice and then they go, oh, that's okay. And then they say to me a few months later, nothing's working. And I go, okay, well, what did you try to implement from what I told you? 
well, I haven't had time to implement any of it yet. Yeah, it's fear comes into it, laziness comes into it, sitting around waiting for the next bright shining object to, you know, maybe that bright shining object is just going to fix it all and resolve everything. But the truth is in this space, it's not going to happen like that. And you're proving, you and Basma are proving, you've got to just take action and keep going. I want to touch on the fact that we all talk about passive income. And I said in the intro, you guys are not about passive income at all. Not at this stage because at the moment you are having to create everything. You make all of the products by hand for the orders. You do like a certain amount of days a week and you make the products. Of course, in the future, you're going to be in a situation, you hope, I hope for you, that you will have a factory that can make them for you and it will be hands-off in that way. And hopefully, like I talk about the snowball effect, build everything up now that you will be at a point once you create a community, you will be able to be more hands-off. But at the moment, you guys have realized that you do need to put in the work to begin with. So let's just talk a little bit about that. Like what are the challenges that you're finding at the moment with e-commerce? And especially from the point of view is that you're, you are having to put in the effort to make this happen. Yes, certainly. So there's a really good book that I'd recommend people read um, called E-Myth. I can't remember the full name. Recommended to me by somebody who has his own business. And it was so true. And this is what I learned about my life now. So he's, this book breaks down the idea that every business for a startup or a, uh, an e-commerce store is a perfect example of this, has three different roles. You've got the technician, which I'd say the worker. You've got the manager and you've got the entrepreneur. And we all go into this because we're more like the entrepreneur with a big idea, the vision, the direction. We have a plan for where we want to go. And we're the ones who are trying to drive that vision and dream and make it reality. And then very quickly, you sort of slip into the technician who's doing the day in, day out. So my day in, day out for the last two years has been very much baking, shopping, making boxes, posting, contacting customers, building relationships, talking to them. And if you're not careful... In an e-commerce setting, you could almost become an employee of your business only. And you have to realize you have to become the manager to set up systems in place to become more efficient. And by becoming more efficient and making systems, you can then have people come and work for you. Mm. So the stage I'm at at the moment is that I'm actually making uh, protocols for my business. And the idea is, and this sounds a bit crazy at first, I'm building my business to be franchised. I'm not going to franchise it at all. I'm going to build my business as if it could be franchised so that anybody could come in and all the protocols would be in place so that it would just run like clockwork and they could take it off a day one without me being there. And if you can get your business to the stage where then it is running like clockwork and you don't have to be there, that's when you can comfortably be the entrepreneur pushing forward for the future, the vision, the dream, and making connections opportunities in the future. And because we are generally one or two people, and in our case, it's two of us, well, one and one and a half now as my wife's gone back to her PhD, I'm having to do all those three roles. And so I'm trying to now learn this week, and I'm going to be completely honest about this. I don't get this right all the time. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, but I'm trying to learn this now of dividing my time really well in the week so that I can be the technician who's making stuff. I can be the manager who's like developing the business plan and how it's all fitting together. And I could be the entrepreneur to make new things happen. And I think you've got to have a balance of those three. So they make sure you have it all. If you kind of get it wrong, you're only the entrepreneur, then you find very quickly that orders aren't getting sent out. People are getting annoyed. You're you're too long talking to the next opportunity. If you're just the manager, you're probably getting a bit too small C conservative and trying to hold things back to try and keep it uh, under control. And if you're just the technician, it's pretty miserable because you feel in the end, you've got a full, well, more than full-time job, no holiday pay, you can never let it go. So it's those three things together that's really important and trying to make sure you put uh, enough time into each of them so your business is growing and not being held back by you. 
No, I love that. And a couple of weeks ago, I brought out a podcast episode that was exactly about here is how you have to structure your day. And I go through here are the nine things you have to do every single day in your business before you start thinking about other things. Because what we tend to do is exactly that. We get so caught up in something that afterwards it's like, okay, I could have just paid someone five bucks an hour to do that for me. Or I could have found a way to automate that and I didn't have to do it at all. Or if I would have set a timer and just said, okay, I've only got 15 minutes to do this one task and that's it, I would have got through it faster. So I love that you give that advice because it's so true and people do get too bogged down into the, oh, but I have to do it all. Yeah. And you're proving, yeah, you do have to do it all. You've got to suck it up and just do it all to begin with. But unless you put those measures in place of teaching other people how to do the tasks, you'll never be able to hand them over to someone else at all. And actually, there's a big part of ego there as well, isn't there? You know, it comes into, do you feel like you have to do it all because you're a perfectionist or you can't trust anyone else with it? Uh, If that's the case, maybe you need to be more of a manager and bring people in and they can then help you do it and make your life easier. But I also think sometimes being the technician is the easier job. We are naturally programmed, I think, to be busy and feel like, well, if I'm busy, then I'm obviously achieving. And it doesn't always work like that. Like you said, efficiencies, you need to find efficiencies to use your time well, because there could be ways to make more money, to grow your business more, to make more connections, which is actually be much more beneficial long term. And that's something I've learned. And my wife's a lot better than that than I am. And she'll say, okay, you're baking to three in the morning. Don't you think you should get some help now? I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. You know, and, and I think it's an important conversation. And also realizing you learn so much in this and you look back at the last year and you think, oh, look where we've come from. But it's really hard to see the next year ahead. Really hard. And you think, well, I guess it'll be like this, but a bit better. And actually, sometimes you need to stop, actually kind of pull back from your business, reflect on where it's all going Mm. and make a real strategy. And then, of course, you can try and follow that strategy and go for it. But you can easily get sucked into the day in, day out. I've got to produce, I've got to cook, I've got to post, I've got to send, I've got to email without realizing, oh, yeah, have I actually given myself time to think about the direction I'm going to, what are the goals of the future? No, it's so true. I want to cover off quite a lot more stuff. I want to talk about loyalty. I want to talk about um, offline versus online business. I want to talk about um, conversion rates, but let's go into, first of all, talking about the highs and lows of running your business. Okay. Yep. Um, So the highs, certainly I'll start with the positives. It's amazing when you're building and creating, it doesn't matter what it is, but if it means something to you, then it is incredible. It's the most liberating thing ever. And for me, deliciously guilt-free, has been that thing that I've taken from a business that wasn't making a huge amount of money, but it was doing okay, is ahead of its time, certainly, and turning that into something which is actually becoming a real brand of people's lives and something that connects with them is really, really amazing to see. And that has been a real inspiration for me, especially when sales aren't as good as you'd hope, or perhaps you put a lot of effort into a new product which isn't that successful, or whatever it might be, but the fact that you're building up something over time, and when you get the feedback from people. So one of the things I definitely say for any uh, e-commerce entrepreneur out there is you've got to get feedback from your customers. And Caroline recommended an app for us in our store, and it was really amazing how before then you'd get a couple of feedback pieces where somebody, some brave soul had actually decided on a, on, in their own free time to find our website and write something for us. And we thought, okay, we're probably not going to get much feedback. We never do. But actually by having this automated system, we were then getting this feedback coming in. And that 
has such an impact on you as an entrepreneur because you think, oh, I'm actually making a difference in someone's life. And when they're saying to me, you know, I'm type 2 diabetic, I haven't been able to eat sweet things for 10, 12, 20 years. The first time I've had a cake in my life and it didn't spike my insulin. And these people, by the way, they track their sugar levels. So they know exactly what's going on in their health. And they, they eat our food, they test themselves, and they feel so liberated and so emotional about it. You know, why they thought a few years ago they'd have to give up sugar forever and now they're eating sweet things which aren't full of rubbish, they're not nasty, they're not going to damage their health, and they can enjoy them and not feel bad about it. There's no guilt, as we said in our brand. And that, for me, is one of the most beneficial things ever. The most touching thing that came from that was last summer, we went to an exhibit in the Olympia in London, and it's the Allergy and Free From show. And two of our customers came and worked for the day for free. They just volunteered to help us sell brownies and to get our brand out because they loved us. And that was really, that bowled me over. I've never done that for a brand. I've done it for other things I believe in, other organizations and political organizations, but for a company, I've never had that. So you, you realize the impact you have on their lives. About the, the not so good times, I think it's very easy when you're in the middle of things and you're just literally doing it, it can become a job rather than your business you're growing. And you've got to be very careful about that. And I think the fact that it's the two of us and my wife and I have very different kind of personalities. I'm much more of a martyr, get on and suffer and moan. And she's much more of a logical step back a minute, rethink this. And I think you can easily become almost like working all the hours God sends, sleeping very little. I mean, we had a baby in the last year as well. So you can imagine how little sleep we were getting. And it, and it can be like, why am I doing this? Am I literally just doing this for the sake of making not much money? You know, what, am I just doing this for a brand that will be big one day, but not now? What's the point? And I think it's one of that in those moments, that's when it's good to connect with people in the community. And actually you can do that. So on Instagram, on Facebook, talk to the customers. I would never say I'm going through a hard time, but I just wanted to hear their stories and how they're getting on and realize we're having an impact. And it's all about impact. Impact. I love that. And so that leads into my next question. Why do you think you're getting such high conversion rates? Because this is crazy. We spoke last week and you said to me, oh yeah, we're getting a minimum of 6% and then averaging around 16%. And I was like, what? That is amazing. Because in the e-commerce space, and I say this a lot, if you're getting between two and 4%, you're doing well. Like those are the averages across the globe in e-commerce. So 16% conversion is mind blowing. Why do you think you're getting such high conversion rates? What do you think you're doing? Yeah, thank you. And thanks for um, telling us that. Because I don't think I even appreciated until when you told me that it was good. Um, you just sort of think, you think, so hang on, there's uh, 94 people in 100 do not buy from our website? <laughs> that many? How, what's wrong with them? <laughs> now, I, what I'm going to say could be taken in two different ways. Social media. And I think people use social media in different ways. And that's the way you use it is important, not the actual platform. We're in an age now where we have a number of platforms where organic material content is so easily spread amongst people. But what a lot of people do in advertising generally, I find, and social media is no different, they shout at people. They just almost put up a wall of stuff in their face. You know, you kind of, you get the adverts which just appear and they just bug you and they follow you around the internet and every website you go to, their advert appears or whatever. And what we decided was with our social media was instead of just shouting at people, we thought, well, let's learn about our niche, the local community and the keto community. Let's, let's research about the diet itself for us. Let's live that. And let's then talk and learn from other people in that community. So instead of just saying, buy our brownies, which is annoying, and we all know it doesn't work on us. It just annoys us. That's the advertising of the past. 
we just have conversations with people. We engage. We try to uh, put things on groups that we are reading ourselves about this way of life. Or when I, when I went to California, I decided, okay, I could do this as just me, or I could just with my iPhone and a selfie stick talk to people who are here and share their stories. And I've always been storytelling anyway. So I decided, you know, just to go up to, at first, the speakers and get them to talk. And then secondly, to talk to other people who are there from all over the world doing low carb and to say, you know, I've got a top tip that I could share on a Facebook group. And I've just posted these on the Facebook group. This is before I even had a business because I thought, I believe in this. and I want to share this with these people. And if you have social media working, and by the way, we have no adverts, uh, you know, which, which is a bit bizarre for a company who's got like, such a high conversion rate. It's because we literally are living this and talking and listening and being part of that community. And then the next step, and I'm sure we'll come on to this, is the podcast, which I want to take to the next level and make a show which is about the community for the community made by them, not just me shouting at them. Now, if they then learn at the same time, I'm the guy who makes the brownies, well, why does he make the brownies? Because he also lives the same life that I live. Oh, right, that makes sense now. So he understands macros and nutrition, and he understands that we have to have best ingredients. We can't have nasty preservatives. We want to make sure that you know it's made fresh, and it's, it's kept fresh, and there's fresh fruit used in things. And you know they, they know my values because I live them. And that's, I think, where we've, we've done well. If you go down the other route of shouting at people, then it becomes best price. And if you just do best price, then I think it's cheap. If you do it based on your values and you don't give in to your values at all, then people know that. And as we develop our brand and as we develop also our products, we're listening, we're getting feedback. We bring out a new brownie or new cake every month now just to see what works. And we send it out and we get the feedback. They then tell us their feedback. We then decide to do another one and we do that every month and it's going really, really well. I think a lot of people listening to this will say, oh my God, that doesn't sound like something I can do in my own business. But I think we spoke about this um, a while ago and you were interested in the whole podcasting scene and you asked me about that. And I definitely think for you, it's great. You're not going to be talking about brownies every single episode because that... that, Not at all. It's nothing to do with that. Hey, I've tasted them, so I would understand that. (laughs) (laughs) But at that point, like just talking about brownies is not going to work, but you're going to be talking about the whole lifestyle that goes with it. So then there's exercise with it. There's the other sorts of foods people can eat. There's how people live, health problems that people have. There's so many different areas. And I think people need to understand it doesn't really matter what niche you're in. And maybe it's not podcasting, but like you said, it's about you know building that community online. So it might be a Facebook group. And I spoke to you about starting up a Facebook group as well. So yeah, yeah. you've got a lot of opportunities there, but there's a lot of other businesses that don't realize how many different areas they can go into. And like you just said before, and I've got that written down and highlighted, serving people and not shouting at people because that's what a lot of people they're told to run a Facebook ad and it's like run a Facebook ad put in the Facebook ad sale 20% off our brownies and it's like if I've never seen your brownies before and I'm sitting there on Facebook and I'm writing a message because my I'm gossiping about what my best friend was doing blah 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 yeah or I'm writing to my grandmother because she wants to see new photos of my kid and then your ad pops up about some brownies and I'm like, mm, whatever. That's how it's going to be taken. And shouting at people, it doesn't work. And those sort of ads don't work anymore. Completely agree. But if you can turn around and say, hey, have you thought about your health this week? Or have you had XYZ health problem? Or have you ever been told that you've got gestational diabetes? Or whatever it might be, you've got so many different angles. It's a very different way to talk to people. And that's where you're coming into it from that community side. And I think people need to understand that they can do this too in their business, whether they're selling baby shoes 
or whether they're selling jewelry or whatever they're selling, they can. I've got a client I'm working with now and she's got a jewelry range that she makes by hand. And she's doing this now where she's doing YouTube videos of her just sitting in front of a camera. And she's like, Hey, so here's three necklaces. If you're going on a holiday and you're over the age of 40, but you want to have like a small mix and match wardrobe for your holiday here is different ways you can wear these necklaces clever nice and it's, it's actually tying into their lifestyle isn't it it's not the product it's the person's lifestyle so when i said listen to people i think that can sound a bit airy fairy i just want to fill out what i mean as well like in terms of the podcast so there are a number of low carb and um and keto podcasts on the market already and my research for this podcast was I asked people who I was interested in getting on the show and I said, oh, you know, do you listen to any uh, low-carb keto podcasts? And they all said no, mm. which instantly would make you think that's probably not a reason to have a podcast. But when I said why, they pretty much said the exact same reasons that I say. And that was it's really sciencey. You've got two experts talking like their university seminar about an issue. Showing their own expertise and how smart they are. Exactly. And you feel like you're on the outside looking in, almost like, well, good for them, but this isn't really for me. So I thought, well, if we had a podcast which was for them, and okay, this is the difference. The people who come on my show, and I've recorded now uh, nine episodes. Uh, it's not launched yet. It's called UK Low Carb. So it's completely separate to the business, although it's sponsored by Deliciously Guilt Free. That will be launched in March. And when it comes out, every episode, I have a co-host. I don't have a guest. I have a co-host. And they come on. They firstly tell me their story for about 10, 15 minutes, because I think stories are how the world works. And I think we as people need stories, true stories about people's successes and also the hard times. I don't want it to be perfect. I don't want it to be polished. I want it to be honest, honest stories about people who've gone through things. And so far, I've heard amazing things about people's mental health, people who've been in real problems with their weight, with diabetes, somebody who's actually trying to do vegan and keto at the same time and how they manage that. And then the other part of the show is that because they're a co-host, not just sharing their story, we have points and comments sent in. So I want it to be like a chat show each week where people are writing in with their comments that we share. And that has gone incredibly well because at the moment before launch, I'm putting comments on a Facebook group or two in the UK uh, in Keto No Carb. People are then writing their responses and I'm saying, can I share that on the show? And then the co-host and I are share, reading out these points and then talking about them and giving our opinion. And it's all about connection. That's what the show is. It's all about connecting with people. I'm not going to be on there saying, I'm an expert in keto. You must do this in your diet. I'm not going to say, I've done my research and my PhDs in this. I'm going to say, I'm like you. I'm, I'm living this way of life. I want to learn more. And if you want to be part of the show, either write in or come on the show and share your story. And I think that's how you build connection. It's so true. And that's one thing about my podcast, why it's so successful is because I ask the questions that people want to know the answers for that for me seem very basic, but I know that those are the questions that need to be answered. And I find that there's a lot of people out there that are going at that really high level. While that's great for the people that you know, know everything already, then why would they listen? They don't need to. So yeah, I totally understand that perspective. And I think it's, I can't wait. I'm very much looking forward to podcasting. Well, you know what? It's because you know your audience. You know, you know, I'm I'm your audience, and I listen each week because I I get so much value. And if you're giving value, it doesn't matter how you're doing it. Is is it value for that audience in particular? The worst thing in the world is to think, well, I want to do this because I want to feel good about myself, or I want to say that I've got a podcast, or I, I just love the idea of having a business card, mm. or that I had the biggest one and I have everyone. I don't need everyone, and I know that mine's not the biggest podcast because I know that there's ones with more listeners. But I'm very niche, and I know who I'm talking to. It's exactly Exactly what you guys are doing. You're very niche because you could easily just say, We are uh, brownies that are tasty. 
and you can try to go after the whole market and trying to do what a lot of people say to me, my audience of males and females, 18 to 65, yeah. everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And in fact, you know what? The part of being niche that nobody ever talks about, not only are you saying you're providing something of value, either product or service, whatever, for these people, you're also implicitly saying you're, it's not right for some other people. Yes. And that's what exactly. you kind of have to realize. So what I've learned the hard way is somebody would come to me and they'd say, oh, I've got an allergy to nuts and you make yours from almond flour. So can you make it out of coconut flour? And I will do that one day for them. But at the moment, I just have to concentrate on what I have got and then grow later. Other people might want something which is fat-free and ketone low carb people generally like fat. And I think, well, maybe it's not for you then. There are lots of fat-free things out there which are for you and that's fine. I'm not saying you're not welcome here. I'm just saying it's maybe not as for you is it's for these people and if you get into your niche and you really do live that with them and you serve them and that's what you do with your shopify podcast it really is a niche which we need you and we could listen to anyone else doing other things but we don't we listen to you because we need that and i think that's the important thing is for these people they need this thing and that's what we're doing and it means by implicitly saying these other people have got something else to go to and that's fine that's how the world is now it's not just a supermarket where you go to the one place and buy everything there it's where we are a bit more selective and we're a bit more i suppose yeah discerning about what we want look and i see it with our uh, just ask parker services i have had over the last two years the amount of people coming to me you should offer this as your service or you should run your services like this or you know you should do it this way and i'm like yeah but then it wouldn't be when it is for the people that i know that need our help in that particular way so i've lost a lot of opportunity to sell to a lot of people but i also know that the people that i do help are the people that i want to make a difference for and you've mentioned that you know it's about making a difference and i think when you're trying to be too broad you're not making a difference and are you happy being broad as well i'd rather okay it'd be nice to be wealthy and hopefully i will be one day but if i am i'd rather know it's because i've actually achieved something i believe in and it's been the right thing for me and i think that's more important yeah so we don't have much time i know you need to get off in five minutes but i have a few quick questions i want to ask you as well yeah sure i want to know quickly offline versus online you mentioned it briefly before we got on the recording you mentioned why is it because i think it's nice to have the idea of having a concept store but do you want to just go into a little bit of detail? You mentioned it before about having the online business rather than having a storefront. Yeah. So I think that one thing that's really uh, important for my kind of niche is that we are online. I don't think it would work. Um, it, are they, okay. So people locally probably want to have sugar-free food. And I think they'll come around to that eventually. And I would imagine that there will be sugar-free options in cafes and whatnot in the future. But when we, for instance, go into cafes locally, what we find is that generally people compare our product to normal brownies and say, well, it tastes just as good or better, uh, but it's more expensive. Why would I bother? I can just eat a brownie. But when you're online, of course, you're making those connections with people who know about this way of life. They know about the science and, and the problems with insulin resistance. They know about eating sugar and what it does to your body. And so we are able to connect with people online that you just couldn't do in the past. So this sort of business, and this, I think the internet has made us selective in this way. Online means that we ship to the States now. We also ship to uh, some European countries. And we've also had people from Pakistan, from Singapore, who have been on business trips to the UK, who have been following us for years. And then they've like, couldn't wait to get here to get us to send stuff to the hotel and by a certain day. And we've done all that because we are selling to people over the world and hopefully it could become even more global, but it's that way that we are an international company in a very small way in Cambridge. Now, like I said, 10 years ago or so, that wouldn't have been like that. 
The next thing, of course, is, you know, we do this not from a, a rented shop space, which would be really expensive. So it meant that we could access things pretty quickly. Everyone's got a phone in their pocket. So one of my competitions soon is going to be the best video that customers send in reviewing our products will be the winner of some brownies. And then we're going to get those to be shared on our website because it's all about telling other people. That's very hard to do in a shop setting. So I think online gives you so many more creative opportunities and it means you can connect in a global way with the local community, which you probably wouldn't find in just one local place. That said, there is actually a keto restaurant that opened in London uh, a few weeks ago, and I was there at the weekend. And this is something that I've, uh, is a really good piece of advice I recommend to anybody. Generosity always pays back with interest. It, and it's not, you, you should never be generous because you're looking at what comes back. But I honestly believe if, if all of us were more generous with our time, with our energy, with our talents, the world would be a better place. Mm. And so I said to them, can I come down, please? Can I film? Because I've, I've got some camera equipment. Can I film your restaurant? Can I then edit it together as like a little ad for you? And, you know, and you can then talk to camera and you can use it. And I said, you know, I, I would just do it because I believe your restaurant is what we need. And I don't know if anything's going to come from that, but I, I feel good doing it. And I know that it's good for the keto community. So I'll do that. And if we all did that, I think we'd all be better off. No, I'm a believer in that. So I vouch for that as well. How many hours a week do you spend in your business at the moment? Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, well, okay. So I work Monday, Tuesday, from kind of 10 after I've got the kids to nursery and whatnot through to about six. And then after their bedtimes, probably until about midnight. So I do long, long days. I then work probably another five hours the other two days when I'm teaching. I work all day Friday into the evening and one day on the weekend. And I do a lot. I really work hard at it. Now, in some ways, I can make efficiencies as time goes on and not have to put the hours in, but still be as, as effective. But at the moment, I must admit, I'm trying to get the foundations to such an extent that we can build on this. And so I said to my wife the other day, she thinks I'm a real geek, but I said, I just love doing this. This isn't work. You know, Churchill said, when you find a job you love, you'll never work again. And I honestly feel that way. I, there are parts of it I'm not as good at. So I'm not good at doing the books. I'm not good at, you know, I'm dyslexic. So I certainly find it challenging with email writing and stuff. And you know, maybe I'm insecure about those things as well. But I find that you can make a timetable, you can get those jobs done. And then all the other stuff like editing the podcast, creating new brownie flavors, working in the kitchen to develop new flavor ideas. And, and I do all the photography as well. So I, I loved in the photography. It's a real creative outlet. So you're very good at it. Thank too. you. So in a way, I feel like, you know, my hobbies are all tied into this, which is why it's fun. And I really do enjoy it. And you recently signed up for our Just Ask Parker services. So that's just been in the last couple of yeah, days or recently. weeks or something. Why is it that you signed up? Like, what was the reason? What do you want to get out of Just Ask Parker? Because you are just the two of you working. So what are you trying to do by using our services? Yeah, so now I think I need, like I was saying before about the manager role from the technician, I need to actually think about my time. And I think this is a useful thing. So in all honesty, not in an arrogant way, I think I could pretty much learn anything to do with this business if I put the time into it. I don't think, you know, I, I think I've got the ability, but the thing is, do you have the time and is it really the most effective way? It doesn't make sense to me to become an expert on all the editing programs and the software and also the person baking and also the person posting out and the person writing the emails. And I just thought, you know what, we need to start getting clever and having a smart business, not just a, a full on mm. hard business. And so well, the great thing about your service, I spoke to, for instance, a marketing agency who were gonna charge over 2000 a month with no guarantee of what I'd get back from that. 
And I just thought, what the heck? This is mad. You know, I don't have that money to spend. And if I did, I'd want to know what I was going to get in return. And it seemed to be like a lot of money being put in for experimentation purposes for their benefit. Whereas your company, I like the fact that it's broken down to tasks. You can think to yourself, right, I, 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 I for instance, break up my day with a productivity planner. So I know in time sections what I'm going to do in each time section. And it's part of my sort of discipline to organize myself. And I thought it's the same way your business works. I can think to myself, right, I've got a list of tasks. Let's get these done. And then I can tick them off. And at the same time, in that time, I can be doing other things. And I think it's that kind of collaboration. Now, one day, I imagine that we're going to be in a situation where we could have staff doing those things in-house. But if I can then learn those things from your experts, and they are experts in those particular fields, then it means I can also help train my team in the future and I'm growing a business. So, you know, you can think about business in two ways. You can think about it in what you're selling day to day, what your product is and what your brand is. Yeah. But also, what is the actual business structure you're building that's going to be something durable in the future or something that you could build up to sell if you wanted to? And that's the next stage for me, the managerial part of building a team. And that's why I need the help from um, Just Ask Parker. No, and it makes sense. And I don't know if I uh, explained it to you, but once you start getting your team on board, then you get them to come into the back end and then they can start arranging the tasks and learning as well. So rather than you having to train them up, they can learn from our system how to do it. And then, yeah, we're not there for you forever. That's not what we're trying to be. We're trying to be the people that help you through that stepping stone of that first stage. So we will help you in any way that we can do that for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Yeah. It's exciting. So I know you need to get off. I know you have things to do. You're a very busy man, but you are extremely interesting to talk to. Dan, I'd love to get you back on in three to six months once you start running your podcast and letting you let me know how you're going with it because I think that building loyalty, building a community, I think you can teach us a lot more about that, especially once your podcast is up and running. By then, you'll have to talk to my agent, darling. I'll be far (laughs) too busy. Uh, I'll be jetting around the world. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Of course I'd come on. Fantastic. uh, Thank you. It's a real honor for me to be on because I listen to this religiously. I'm Dan G, by the way, one of the reviews on Apple. And go on there and rate and review, please, guys, because it's amazing. Fantastic. Dan, thank you so much for your time and thank you everyone for listening. Until next week, keep smiling. Sign up for free for the Shopify approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast.